here we are. Ready for this? I'm going to say something, and it's going to be, uh, at least in theory, one of the last times that I'll say it in this context. Are you ready? Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Whoa. Can you believe it? Mixed reaction in the crowd. What are we supposed to do? Clap? Are we excited? Are we nervous? What are we doing? Yeah, we're going to land this plane that we started in, the, in Christmas of 2018. 2018? That is right. That's not bad. That's... What was Revelation was a smidge ago. I finished that also. Um, but uh, yeah, we started, it was called Kingdom Come is when we first started Matthew because we were doing the, just the Christmas thing and then, and then we changed it to follow me. Because um, the, the, the theme of this whole book is uh, who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have learned so much about who Jesus is. We've learned that he's a big Jesus. Yes. <laughs> We've yes. learned that Jesus is greater than. Yes. <laughs> we learned that Sometimes you've got A and, and, and B, and between them, Jesus happened. Yeah. Things are messed up and broken, and then they're whole, and we don't have an explanation other than Jesus happened. Yeah. How many are grateful that Jesus happened? Yeah. How many of Jesus happened in your life? Yeah. How many are thankful that Jesus keeps happening? Yeah. He's happening. <laughs> uh, and now we come... We land the, the study of this text that is all about who Jesus is and what it means to be a disciple, an early, a text that the early church used as really a catechism for discipleship. We come to the, uh, the portion of Matthew that is most commonly called the Great Commission. In fact, probably in your Bible, the subtext heading there, the bold print says the Great Commission. So you'll find that in Matthew chapter 28 beginning at verse 16. We followed Jesus all through his life and ministry. Well, get kind of choked up. Uh, we followed Jesus all through his life and ministry. We followed him last week into his passion. And then we followed him onto the cross and into the tomb and then out. We saw him come out. He is risen. So we pick it up today at what happens next. And it's on the screen. I'll read it from my Bible, and you can take, take a look at the screen if you'd like. Matthew 28, verse 16, reading from the NIV. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this text, for the book of Matthew. Lord, thank you for all the the journey that we've been on as, as a congregation walking through this text. Lord, we pray again that our hearts would be open and soft and receiving the the life, the seed of your word. And we humble ourselves again this morning. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God that we would hear these perhaps 
almost overly familiar words, that we would hear them freshly and with great force this morning by your Spirit. Amen. Yeah, I, it is. It's true. In the prayer, we just prayed that this is, again, we have, we have come to one of those passages that if you've been in church for a couple of minutes, you've probably heard this. If you've been uh, to a missions conference or you've heard a missionary speak, you've probably heard this verse. If you've been to youth camp, you've probably heard this verse. And that's, I'm glad for it. But we come to it this morning, and I pray again that there's a freshness and a force to it that will affect us newly. You ready? Well, it begins in verse 16. Uh, this is after Jesus has uh, come out of the grave, out of the tomb, and uh, the, the, the ladies have seen Jesus, and the angels have talked to them, and uh, both the angels and Jesus tell the women to go tell the disciples to, to meet him in Galilee. It's already been said twice in the text. So that's just important as we pick it up. This, this, now we come to verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. The 11. You almost miss the, I don't know... Um, the shock, the sadness of that statement, the 11. Up until now, it's been the 12. The 12 were called. The 12 fellowship with Jesus. The 12 live with him, minister with him. The 12 eat with him. The 12 witness his miracles. The 12 and many others with them uh, minister in the power of the kingdom. The 12, this is a, this is a sacred hoop, <laughs> This is a this you could argue and we should this is these 12 were the most unique 12 on the planet. Now because not just because we call them apostles we I believe the, the word apostle means sent one and I believe that people can be sent and have an apostolic mission I believe you all are apostolic as soon as we send you out of here you are all sent right. ones. And the, uh, but the authority of an apostle and, uh, is, is directly tied to their sender, who, to who sends them. So if you're sent out by a local church, that's significant, but there's nothing more... Sig- well, you know, Jesus is called our great apostle in the New Testament, and he's sent from heaven. <laughs> but there are only these that were directly sent from Jesus. To only 12 in the history of humanity, these 12 were called and selected. And now we have 11. And I suppose if you're like me, say, hey, well, at least there's 11, you know, hey. But there is, an, there is, a, there is an ironic and almost a uh, symbolic, metaphoric type significance to that, the 11. Because not everyone who starts finishes. Golly, how we wish that weren't true. Amen. Not everyone who starts finishes. You can say, well, I blame, I blame. They, know why they didn't finish because they didn't. They, well, 
was Judas not close enough to Jesus? Did he not see him? Did he not? What did G, what possible? What did Judas lack? He lacked. He didn't. He didn't lack. He had the same everything that the eleven did. You can't blame. Judas had no one else to blame but himself. Not everyone who starts finishes. Some of you know folks in your life who have started, but as of right now, they are not finishing. I've got good news for you. As long as you and they are breathing, you can finish. (laughs) God is so good. He is a redeemer. He is a restorer. And if you've got one more breath, finish. Finish. Make sure that you, make sure that you are one who finishes. There's never a good reason to give up. Never. It's not worth it. This life, circumstances, the the lies, the accusations of the enemy will may come at you and try to convince you that for some reason it would be worth giving up following Jesus. It, it is not worth it. There, I, I have never met anybody, there, anyone. No one has ever regretted following Jesus. There's been a whole lot of people who have regretted not following Jesus. The eleven. All right. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. Now, that might just sound like a pretty perfunctory statement, but it's powerful. It's exciting. That's one of those promises right there. What do you mean it's one of those promises? He t- <laughs> Jesus, in, in several times throughout the book of Matthew, we've seen Jesus tell his disciples, now, listen, guys, I'm gonna, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. We, we know that his death was not a surprise. We know that his life was not hijacked. We saw that last week, again, that he leaned right into it, that he knew what was coming, and he yielded. He, with it. he submitted his will to God, and he chose to embrace this. No one took his life from him. Even his last breath, he decided when that would go. But not only did he, was he aware of and planned for and make everybody else prepared for his death, he also planned for his resurrection. He planned for his resurrection and he planned to meet up with them after. Hey guys, let's meet up. What? I'm going to die, but I'm going to... What kind of tenacity, what kind of audacious confidence, what kind of uh, impossible promise would it be? I mean, you could, if I said to you, hey, listen, why don't we meet, you know, let's meet at the Red Robin on Thursday afternoon. You think, well, Dad's probably going to be there. He likes the Red Robin and uh, he knows where it is. There's a, there's a certain degree of probability, a margin of probability that that's going to happen. But how about I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'll be back. Meet me in Galilee. Okay. He's, he's not well. But Jesus said, listen, boys, I'm going to die, but I'll be back, and here's where, here's where I'm going to meet you. Friends, if, if, he, if you're looking for even one of the texts that, where he says to meet them in Galilee, Matthew 26, 32, Jesus tells them, I'm going to, we're going to meet in Galilee. 
If he could arrange, if he could plan for, if he could prepare for his own death, resurrection, and then to meet people afterward, is there anything that he cannot prepare you for? Is there anything that is outside of his providence in your life? Is there anything that he cannot redeem? Is there anything that he cannot rescue? Is there anything that will take him by surprise? Also, we would, I'll just say this, that... (laughs) This is a precursor for Jesus to say, I'm going to leave, but I'll be back, and here's where I'm going to be. That's a precursor. It's a foreshadow of his return. He says the same thing to you and me. I'm leaving. I'll be back. I'll meet up with you. And just as certain as he met with them, he will meet with us. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, boy, you can't get past that. Sister Sandy Patty made us happy with that one. We we shall behold him. There's going to come a day when we're going to behold Jesus, uh, the resurrected one who's coming for us. And man, there is we don't we, we don't have the time or the words for that today. But that, friends, that is our great hope. We will see him. Now, who was they? They saw him. They is at least the 11. Matthew tells us it's the 11. Paul tells us in Corinthians that there was a time that at least 500 saw Christ uh, in in his resurrection before he ascended. This may have been, this, this, this mountain experience may have been a rallying point for a great deal of disciples. So that, we, it could have been just the 11. It could have been many more. Matthew isn't interested in that so much. He's really only interested in telling us that Jesus happened. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Would you say that out loud? When they saw him, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. Jesus is directly, objectively worshipped. They didn't high-five him. They didn't just hug him. They worshipped him. They intentionally, directly uh, treat Jesus as divine. Jesus Christ is God. And I know it's funny, in the second and third centuries, they they wrestle with Christology and they wrestle with trying to figure out all of who Jesus is and what he's that. But listen, the the disciples in that moment had no question as to the divinity of Jesus Christ. They had no question as to his lordship. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't just a prophet. He's God, very God, and they worshiped him. But some doubted. isn't it? They doubted. They they saw him crucified. They knew he was buried. And they come to a mountain and he's standing right there. They have all of the facts in front of them. Pretty remarkable facts. And yet, something in them, there was still doubt. You know what that tells us? That tells us that doubt really isn't a condition of our mind, but of our heart. Faith is always a choice. Always. 
You, faith is not, you, you are never going to, it's not, faith is never, well, I didn't have a choice. I just had to believe. No, you're going to have the opportunity to choose. And in that moment on the mountain, resurrected Jesus, miraculous Jesus, they still have a choice. It doesn't matter what you see or you feel, your, your faith will always be a choice. And you can choose to worship or to doubt. But you can't do both. See, well, what if I have confusion? What if I have questions? What if I have pain? What if, I, what if I'm wrestling with stuff? Gather it all up and bring it with you and pour it out at the feet of Jesus. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why this happened. I don't have answers for this stuff in my life, but I'm going to bring it all before you, Jesus, because what I do know is more important and more powerful than what I don't know. So I'm going to take everything I don't know and put it on an altar of praise and say, I trust you, Jesus, because I see you're alive. I can either worship or doubt, but I cannot do both. And if you're struggling with doubt, if your heart is heavy, if your mind is distracted, gather everything up and worship, and you will overcome. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Worship is a response to just how wonderful, how big Jesus is. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Authority is a key theme in the the book of Matthew. There are some that suggest that 16 through 20 is really a, a hermeneutical key to understand the whole point. The whole point of the book of Matthew is 16 through 20. We started hearing, and we'll see more about it in a minute, but we started hearing about, really hearing about Jesus' authority in Matthew chapter 7. At the end of, at the end of the Jesus' first teaching ministry, uh, uh, we, the crowds were amazed at the authority. He spoke with authority. And then it follows a few chapters. It just keeps going. Uh, they're, they, they are, uh, when they, they bring him a lame man and he said, your sins are forgiven. And, and they're shocked. And he said, but so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And later it says the crowds were shocked. They were amazed at the, at, that God had given such authority. The, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they, demand, they say, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? And now we see, I mean, we see throughout the text of Matthew that G, when Jesus exercises authority, it is, is two things. It is authority to say what is righteous, and it is authority to do what is righteous, meaning he, he acts in healing and deliverance and provision. He does righteous things by his authority, and he teaches, he declares what is righteous by that authority. So they come to him on the mountain and worship, and Jesus says, all authority in in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Does anybody need us to unpack what the word, how the Greek word for all? (laughs) All authority. Everybody say all authority. You need, this, This is Jesus himself laying claim that he now has all authority. It's interesting, I think some of our, sometimes in our Bible, I think folks read a little bit of, or some of that. 
No, I really do. I think people think that Jesus, that Jesus has laid claim to, a, to, to some of that authority or a little bit of authority. But Jesus says, now, all authority. There is no higher authority in the cosmos than Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And, and I realize just in saying that, there's a sense in the room like, yeah, and? But if, if we do not allow ourselves or in be intentional about being overwhelmed with the magnitude of Jesus' authority, we're going to miss the rest of this passage. This is big. It doesn't get any bigger than this, Jesus. This is big Jesus. All authority. What do we mean by big Jesus? He has all authority, all of it in heaven and on earth. Nobody's got a badge bigger than Jesus. It would do you good just to ponder the, the, the supremacy of his authority. Because he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore. Would you all just say, therefore. therefore. Because of that authority, in light of that authority, based on that authority and trusting in that authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Friends, the Great Commission is not just a command. It is cause and effect. So many times throughout my lifetime, I have probably heard and taught and probably retold and whatever. I've probably presented the Great Commission as the great obligation. The Great Commission. We need to go out and make disciples because the world needs to be discipled. Is that true? Well, sure it is. Well, sure it is. Is there a need? Absolutely. But look at the text here. The text, the, the leverage for this is not obligation or need. The leverage for this is, when, is that Jesus Christ is magnificent. It is the magnitude of Jesus that becomes the cause for the commission. If the cause for the commission is our heartstrings are touched, at the, then, then, then I don't know, we miss it. It doesn't become an act of worship. Worship is the goal. Mission only exists because worship does not. Jesus Christ has all authority and deserves loyalty, obedience, adoration. Therefore, mission. The Great Commission is cause and effect. Jesus is the cause. And the mission is the effect. The size of Jesus in our minds and in our hearts, in our understanding and in our affection will determine the size and the passion of our mission. The size of Jesus will determine our willingness, our obedience, our sacrifice, our faithfulness, all of it. All of it is determined by the size of Jesus in our minds and in our hearts. 
It was the size of Jesus in the minds and the hearts of these 11. And then eventually they, you know, they vote and bring Matthew, Matthias in there. We'll talk about that. But, and, but all of the early church, the, the apostles and the elders, those who gave their lives and those who have for the centuries since, those who have given their lives happily, those who have lost their lives horribly, all of it is because of Jesus. All of it is because of Jesus. Because he's so big. He's so powerful. He has such lordship. He's so wonderful. When when they saw him, they worshiped him. And you see that they worship, that worship precedes and then promotes commission. They worshiped him. And then after they worshiped him, they see him and they have no choice. He doesn't have to cajole them. He doesn't have to compel them. They don't have to go to conferences and be lectured and scolded for not doing enough. If you don't know what that means, be a vocational minister for the last 30 years. If the church has to be cajoled and coerced into commission, there's, they, they, it's, not, it's not because we don't, have, we don't need new strategies or new, new programs. We need to take a long look at Jesus. Behold the, his wonder and his power and his authority, and we will be overwhelmed. The commission will become just an overflow of our affection for Jesus. All authority. Is mine. I'm really, really big. Yes. Really, really, really big, Jesus. Therefore, because of that, go make disciples. Go make followers of all the peoples in the world. Make disciples of all nations. The target is the world. In Matthew 10, when he first sends out his apostles, he sends them out only to the jurisdiction of, of the people of Israel, only go that far. But now, because of his death and resurrection, God has given him the name above every name. And now there is nowhere safe on the planet. <laughs> now, now his jurisdiction is the entire world. This is his. And now our target is all peoples everywhere. Go and make, dis- make disciples. They were to announce to everyone and demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. And they were, they were to call everyone to enter that kingdom through baptism and to continue in it through obedience to Jesus. Our, the target is the world. The mission is make disciples. Here's how. How do we do it? Go. Go where? Well, it's... it's it, that's not an aorist imperative, just like start going. It's a participle. Now you think, what does that mean? It means wherever you go, right. as you're going. Yeah. Right now you're going somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you are, wherever you are, you make disciples there. Yes. As you go, at, wherever you go, as, where, where you are, he goes. Right. Yeah. And wherever you are, that is your mission. Okay. So as you're going... This week, your routine, that's your mission field. Now, there are also people, there are also, there are also times where people are nudged and spurned to, to step out of their, mission, their, 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 their regular place, their regular routine, and go somewhere else. That they are, they, and we do that too. We send people short-term, long-term, different places. The point is, there's no limit to our going. There's no going that's too small or too large. Every one of you are goers. 
Don't limit this to, well, you know, I'm not one of them, uh, them full-time missionaries. You are too. Yes, that's right. Every one of you are goers. Go. Baptize. Go. Baptize. Somebody say baptize. 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 There are no, just smile, and when I, I'm not trying to make anybody nervous here. There are no non-baptized disciples. And I, I'm soon as and I hear it because I hear people like, well, what if I was on a desert island? Well, get in the water. <laughs> well, what about the thief on the cross? Fine. Are you a thief on a cross? No. Well, then. <laughs> well, why do people look for an excuse not to obey? The baptism tank, now we got one, we got one of them troughs, bought it at that, that uh, place where you feed horses. I tried it out, I tried out one, I laid in it, I tried them out by laying in them. One of them I couldn't quite fit in, Jay said, don't get that one. <laughs> you guys should have been there, I was trying them out, and a guy, I, this voice, he, he, I disappeared, and I heard a voice in the parking lot say, hello, are you okay? And I just stuck my thumb out from the... <laughs> We got that big trough over there, and we heat it. We run the water in here, and we heat it up. You know why? Because the baptism tank should be as central in our church as a pulpit. Because Jesus said, "Go baptize." You re- here's how you can. Be- how do you want to become a disciple of Jesus? Peter said, "Repent, then get in the water." Get in the water. Oh, I want to follow Jesus. Water. Can I just fill out a card? Water. Yeah, but I I might get wet. Water. Get in there. Why? Because the Bible says so. Because Jesus says so. Because of what it meant and what it means. It means that it means so many layers of things, but it's all the same. I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. I believe that I have died to sin and live for righteousness. I believe that like Jesus, I have died, and now I, like Jesus, live by that same spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now also lives in me, and now I live by that spirit. And I also believe that I will, that I someday, although I die, I will rise again. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back for me. I died in my old way of life and I follow Jesus. You've got to get in the water. And we believe that it's more, it's not just taking you a little bath in church. It is an act of faith where the Holy Spirit meets you powerfully. It is a testimony to the world and to yourself that you will follow Jesus. Go preach the, go announce the kingdom. water so we're going to run we run that water now we're going to run every first of the month and i wish and i pray that we run out last week we didn't know well we ran the water and they said we don't have any cars we don't have anybody signed up i said run the water i said let's just do it and then five people got baptized now i'm looking for 300 more soon Soon, that's my soon goal. I want to get three hundred more. Well, I'm I guess two hundred and ninety-five or two hundred and ninety at this point. I'm looking for two hundred and ninety more. <laughs> Go baptize. Teach them to obey everything. Does that mean that Jesus has given us a new list of things? No, we're not following a list. We're serving our Lord. Yeah. 
The only possible response to someone who has all authority is to obey them. Teach them to obey everything. Teach them to live in total loyalty and obedience and allegiance to Jesus. Teach them to follow Jesus. This is what we do. We are disciples of Jesus who recruit more disciples of Jesus. This is the subject. Worship Jesus. Make disciples. Friends, if that ceases to become the subject, if the subject has been changed, we must change the subject. We are not allowed to chase anything else. Our lives are not culture-driven. Our lives are not crisis-driven. Our lives are commission-driven. It, it, it overrides all nuances of culture and all of the blowing winds of crises. We live to, ex- to continually expand the holy, healing, righteous, saving influence of Jesus. And then Jesus says, and surely I am with you always always just say it out loud always Always. I want you to try to imagine when always doesn't apply always even to the very end you see how the great commission is really sandwiched in the presence of Jesus All authority, immediate presence. And in the middle of that is commission. But the emphasis is on the presence of Jesus. That's why worshiping communities always become missional communities. That's why presence-driven people are always purpose-driven people. That's why a focus, an intentional focus on the magnitude and the wonder and the, the, the greatness of Jesus and the immediacy of his presence is so vital to our lives. Surely I am with you always. This was the, the hope that began the whole thing. Matthew begins with this hope. Matthew chapter 1, Joseph Here's from the angel. The angel says, For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then Matthew says, Ah, this was to fulfill the words of the prophet, that the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means... And Jesus concludes the text by saying, I... Am with it's how we began and it's how we continue. This is Matthew's presentation, Matthew's illusion, Matthew's promise of Pentecost. 
the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus here so identifies the coming of the Holy Spirit with himself that he literally says, I, I will be with you always. This is our hope. The Great Commission happens because of the supreme authority and the immediate presence of Jesus. We believe that he has all authority. We believe that he is here. And worship then drives mission. It's all about big Jesus. All of it. Big Jesus means big faith. Big Jesus means ready obedience. Big Jesus means great commission. All of it, though. All of it is because of Jesus is really, really big. I've asked our worship team to close in a chorus that just leads us to a place of consecration and to welcome the the freshness of his presence in our life today. Lord, I pray, I'm asking that by your spirit you would impress upon our understanding and our affection just how big Jesus is. That he would be to us bigger than anything. And that we would just live because of that. Come, Lord, fill us, I pray. If you're watching, which is online, go ahead, sis. Keep singing. Pray that the Lord Jesus would meet you right now with his presence.
Hallelujah. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to just give him a big Jesus, big praise. But we declare together, let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from me to the nations. Let's say that together. Let it go forth from me to the nations. We are his sent ones. The, I love this. The bigger we have, the bigger Jesus that we have is the, is the greater is our commission. Let us walk on this planet releasing and revealing big Jesus. Yes? Let us, re, let us really believe it and then give it away. That's such a powerful, powerful thing. Lord, we thank you that you're so big. We thank you that, that you're so big in us. And I pray that there, there would just be this great release today. I pray that there would be a, a shaking on our planet from this day forward and in this city. Lord, that there will be a definite like, whoa, those are people that believe he's big and he's good. And they're ready to release that to our world. Yes? Yes. Give the Lord praise and say, yes, I'm going to go do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. Go show big Jesus to someone today. We love you. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.